Hey everyone, my name is Mike Connors. I'm an assistant news editor for the Massachusetts Daily Collegian, the only student-run print and online newspaper here on the UMass campus serving the community since 1890. And this is the official podcast from the news section of the Collegian called the Collegian News Hour. We're recording today's episode on Sunday, March 3rd, but this, like every installment of our podcast, will be released at 8 o'clock every Tuesday morning on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. So here in the studio with me to recap the stories I've covered in the past week are the rest of the news team, if you can introduce yourselves. I'm Abby Sherpentier. I'm Irina Kostake. I'm Alvin Bainso. I'm Catherine Esten. I'm Will Malice. And I hope everyone had a good Blarney weekend. Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy seemed to happen, but I think that's a good segue into the first uh, topic of conversation here. Um, what Amherst and UMass did to prepare for Blarney and what actually happened? Spoiler alert, not that much. But um, Will, you wrote a story on uh, what the town and the university were doing to prepare for it yeah so um so some of the measures they took um for example is the mullins live concert uh this has become a yearly concert where they'll have uh different artists come and perform this year it was uh um it was future uh ty dollar sign and gunna and 2404 students attended and i think they kind of do this as like it's an alternative to partying around town um other Stuff they did was um, they instituted a parking ban on campus and had guest restrictions in all of the residence halls. So that, those restrictions are from Thursday, February 28th at 8 p.m. until March 3rd um, at 11 p.m. Uh, they restricted that only UMass students could sign in up to four other UMass students and that no non-UMass students um, or faculty could get in except for like you know emergency um, staff. Mm-hmm. And um, for like a little bit of background, these changes came back in um, 2014. Uh, Blarney was pretty crazy because 55 people were arrested and the school decided to make changes the following year. So that's when they had the, the concert at Mullins and, and put in certain restrictions. And um, now Blarney has become like a lot less crazy. Like for comparison this year, there was only about, uh, I think like two people are, were arrested. So definitely a big change. So we changed from Amherst burning in 2014 uh, to literally nothing happened and, and just flurries of snow and the occasional party here and there in 2019. I think the university has done a good job effectively killing Blarney. Yeah, I have noticed like a really, really big difference between you know the Blarneys that we had over the years. So I've been here for four years now. Um, and so my freshman year, I always say that that's when Blarney was starting to die out. That's when Migos came. And that was before Migos was like really Migos. Like that was before Bad and Bougie. Um, and so th- they came. That was pretty fun. But it, Blarney was really dying. Um, and then just like over the years, it's like going downhill. Um, but this Blarney was like nothing. Yeah, it was just like I I've seen like other weekends be crazier than this Blarney. Yeah. Um, do you think that this is something that's just UMass UMass back in like the early 2010s had a reputation for being like a massive party school, and I think the 2014 incident was kind of like coming at the, you know, the downhill trend of that. But still, you know, during that time, do you think it was the university that that was able to effectively stop learning, or do you think that's this is just a trend that's happening at UMass that's just not the same that it used to be? Well, if you go back to 2014, 
Um, I think part of the reason these changes happened was because uh, Chancellor Subhaswamy, he was very upset after it happened. Um, so the, the following year, um, I believe it was the university, they spent $330,000 to uh, like limit um, how crazy Barney could get. And most of that money was spent getting artists for the Mullins concert. Um, but then I think it was like 305,000 was for the Mullins concert and then the 25,000 was for like other safety precautions. Um, I definitely think it was, it was like the university like stepping in and, and trying to make these changes. Well, I guess we'll never see a Blarney like 2014 again, or maybe I shouldn't say that too soon. You never know what could happen. You never know. <laughs> All right, let's get uh, on to, let's move on to our next story. Um, Irina, you wrote a story about the RAPM union fighting for a new contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this has been going on for a while. We just covered it. Um, so the RAPM union, it sort of is what it sounds like. It's the union that represents RAs and peer mentors on campus. Um, they have a bunch of stuff to represent the Res Life staff, but one thing that they do in particular that they do every three years is negotiate a new contract. Um, so the most recent contract ended last summer. So they've been working under an expired contract for that long and they've been working for a new one for over a year now. Um, and so recently they've said that um, as of like last semester, the university has been super slow trying to get back to them. They've been canceling meetings. They've been coming late to meetings. They just haven't been taking these negotiations very seriously. And the RAs and peer mentors are really upset about that. And so that's kind of why they've been um, going to the media about this. They went to the SJ and passed a motion. I think Catherine covered that. So they have been using all these to try and speed up the process and put more pressure on the university because um, they have two big things left to agree on and they've been taking a lot of time trying to negotiate for so long. Um, so the two things that are left for them to negotiate on and come to an agreement on are fairer wages um, and implementing anti-racism training for staff. So fairer wages um, always get paid on a bi-weekly stipend and their argument is that this isn't enough, first of all, for just like having an adequate standard of living on campus. Um, and it's also just not reflective of the amount of work that goes into being an RA and peer mentor. Um, they said that like, you know, even when you're on duty, you're not on duty, you still have to be ready for anything that could happen for your residents. You always have to be there no matter what. Um, they said that there's a lot of things that, you know, you don't think about that work goes into, but they do like, you know, the bulletin boards in every hall. Like you just kind of see that those are there, but you don't realize like how much work is having to be put in by the RAs who do that. Um, and on that though, mm -hmm. um, we, there was an interesting part of that article that you wrote that the union heard pushback from administrators about the potential cost of the wage yeah. increase, yeah. which, you know, I understand like why students in the union are feeling frustrated over that because you know, you walk around campus and you see like new capital projects and like rising meal plan prices and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just hard to believe how any student can afford any of this, especially if you're there working. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's kind of the argument is like, well, you know, you're saying that you don't have the money for this, but like, it's not our fault that you're using money for other things and therefore can't pay us. Like, it's up to you to figure out the budgeting. It's not something that we should like bear the brunt of mm -hmm. um, and that's what's frustrating and like that is something that was heard at the SGA meeting as well somebody was like well why should we pay you more and then cause tuition to go up for your wages and they were like well you know that's not even true that that would happen in the first place but also like it's not something that we need to be focused on and like presenting to the university it's like their burden to mm -hmm. find the money because it's something that they should they owe the students and so the second thing that they're trying to push for uh, that's the anti-racism training. So that's a response to the hate crimes that have been happening across a lot of residence halls um, on campus. And 
yeah, they just want to be able to train their staff more on how to respond to these hate crimes, and they want to be able to um, crack down a little bit more and actually, you know, have discipline for the students who do such awful things. Um, one person I talked to was a co-chair of the union, and she said that she, like, caught one of her residents saying the N-word, and, you know, she wrote him up, but he didn't really get anything. That He just talked to the RD, and that was kind of it. Like, he didn't get any sort of punishment. Um, and what was, like, really actually crazy that I heard that she told me is, when she went to her supervisor and was like, hey, can we, you know, during floor meetings, talk about these things and say that, like, this kind of language is not acceptable, what we tolerated, they told her no, because that's infringing on First Amendment speech rights of the students. Right. That, like, they can't tell students what not to say. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Another another crazy thing that I saw, that I gathered from this, at least, was um, how the university is calling... They're, they're trying to compromise and, and call it like anti-discrimination training mm-hmm. instead of anti-racism training. Well, like what's the difference between that? It's, it's the same sort of narrative that I feel like they tried to push back the last semester when all these hate crimes were happening. They didn't call it racist, like racist incidents. They were calling it like, uh, you know, like motivated or what, what do they call it? The, it was bias incidents. Bias incidents. I mean, I think the difference is that like anti-discrimination training that could be a little bit broader so anti-racism training that could just be towards like students of color anti-discrimination that could be like you know queer students um students who are from other countries students from different socioeconomic backgrounds like that could be a little bit more broader and so maybe they just want to do anti-discrimination because like you know like you can be put in a a really bad situation if you um depending on any demographic you're in Yeah, I think to play devil's advocate here a little, uh, I do agree that I think it's important the university provide training in all those areas, but I think it would be really nice, especially for students of color on campus, to see the administration take an active stance and say racism is an issue on this campus, Uh, because I feel like using generalized language a lot makes it seem like, I don't know whether it's true, but the university doesn't attribute this all to one specific cause. You know, when they use something like bias incidents, know who's biased against who what exactly does that mean i think it would be refreshing to see very specific and clear claims about what's happening Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of like that same like all lives matter versus black lives matter like yeah all lives matter you know we should be implementing anti-discrimination training but like it is people of color on campus that have seen threats that like you know are harmful to them in these um residence halls so i think that like the university should be targeting that specifically and calling it specifically anti-racism training but like you know by calling it anti-racism training you're not saying that like you should only focus on racism and not discrimination in general yeah um, i mean i i remember it wasn't there a case where a student had like gay slurs written on their their, their door as well i think i remember that right right, yeah. right, right, right. and there's also you know cases where like female students will feel uncomfortable in their dorm rooms. I just think, I think that resident assistants and peer mentors, they're like the first line of defense against these sort of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Because um, like, let's, let's face it, like there are a lot of kids just living in a, one building. Uh, it's hard, it's hard to make sure, you know, that there's some sort of, you know, system of, of, of power there for discipline, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're not even, if the university isn't even treating their workers right, that are, there to stop those sort of things i don't know how they expect that to stop in the first place or at least like strides to be made exactly and one thing that um a girl that i interviewed said was like during their training over the summer it kind of felt like they were camp counselors being training and like the students living in the residence halls are the campers and they were just given like you know fun activities to do that boost morale or whatever but then like they never got training on how to respond to like actual 
things that they're gonna have to deal with throughout the whole semester. So that's just one thing that they're asking for to try and like fix that system. Yeah, and it's definitely mm -hmm. a learning experience too. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, there should be more emphasis put on that. Anybody else have anything to add? Uh, just in general, the whole union issue is definitely very big in the SJA elections and I was at the SJA meeting where they voted to support the union. Uh, and I think in general the consensus is that this is an issue on campus and the administration, I'm not sure what, did they end up giving you a quote for the article? Uh, they just said that they couldn't really, you know, discuss ongoing negotiations and that they've right. been bargaining in good faith. And that's like the word that I, or the phrase that I kept hearing, but yeah, nothing really. Yeah, so I almost want to see their side because I think we've definitely heard a lot of what the union has to mm -hmm. say. Yeah, um, I wanted to too, but yeah, I so guess they can't. So it's hard <laughs> for us to defend the university when they're not defending themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I understand why they, that, on some level, why they don't discuss these sort of things. <laughs> Here's the thing, and I'm an RA. And this is what I think we need as RAs. I think we need, I think we need r r senior staff that is able to is able to have a little bit more of breathing room in responding to these situations. Because I feel like there are senior staff who want to be able to do what they what they feel at heart is the best, but they can't because they're restricted from, you know, doing that due to the fact that you know they're they're part of res life. Which of course, which I can understand. I think we just need we want seniors to have a little bit more breathing room. We want a little bit less the less this feeling of 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 always being on a tightrope. So, for example, if you were to miss a training or to miss a duty or to miss like one tiny thing, you'd have to go down for an investigatory meeting. Um, and you know, it'd be like you're always kind of sometimes it feels like you're always kind of walking on thin ice which to me feels like it's it it's a little bit hard to have some r r some kind of space where you can say like hey i messed up because so and so and so um i think those are the two biggest things i'd want to see like just senior staff with a little bit more of liberation and saying okay here's what i can personally do and that you you know um, and also s more support for senior staff as well because they, their jobs are pretty hectic. Well, I think that's a good insight from someone who, you know, is an RA. Mm -hmm. and thanks, Alvin. You are welcome. All right, let's get uh, moving to the next article that we have to talk about. This uh, was written by Jackson Cody, the former news editor. Um, but Will, you'll, you'll be taking point on this one. Uh, you want to just explain it a bit? Yeah. So uh, UMass conducted a poll of. Democratic primary voters in New Hampshire, um, just about who they would vote for, and 28% said they would vote for Biden, and Biden was, he had the highest percentage. Um, behind him was San, uh, Bernie Sanders at 20%, then Kamala Harris at uh, 14%, uh, Elizabeth Warren at 9%, and then 14% said they were undecided. And then additionally, 82% said that they would um, Further said that they would support another candidate. Um, so for second choices, uh, Kamala Harris was in the lead at 28%, then Biden at 26%, then um, Cory Booker at 24%, and then Elizabeth Warren at 22%. Are we surprised to see Joe Biden do so well in a poll like this? No, I'm not surprised. What? I mean, like he's very, he's he's like very well liked around. Um, he's very well liked across both aisles of the political party. So Joe Biden's very well respected within the conservative party. He was also very well liked in his own party. He he did good work during his um his two terms serving as vice president. Um, in terms of just him running, that I only f the, the only thing that might stop him was the fact that 
conservatives might get a little scared as in the sense that they might see this as like a third Obama term, which they really didn't like Barack Obama. So they they might see that as that. Um, also, Joe Biden is very moderate. And I think the Democratic Party right now is just trying to get the Bernie people and the Hillary people to stop fighting and kind of like just calm us down a little bit. And I think Biden can be that nice, warm, you know, glass of milk for like a very, very, <laughs> very, very sizzling hot tea. You know what I'm you, you know what I mean? Like I, I he, think of catching your drift. You know, yeah. like he can calm everybody down. Um, I think Elizabeth Warren yeah, her 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 probably her her biggest challenge would be probably be Joe Biden because Elizabeth Warren has kind of got her own group, her own little group of Democrats, along with Kamala Harris as well. And then who's the other candidate? Well, Bernie Sanders was trailing right behind. Oh him. Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> I was like, uh, so I'm tired. Like I'm kind of like Bernie's doing this thing again. I think I think it shouldn't be like understated though. The fight like from the left. Um, Joe Biden, like you were talking about, pretty like moderate Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. I, I, he hasn't like announced his candidacy yet, so I don't know like exactly what his policy positions would be this time around. But it would seem as if that he wouldn't be as progressive as like an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders. Um, so I guess if it's all but certain that he will put his hat in the race, I, I don't know what you guys think. Do you think he would have the opportunity, or do you think it would be possible for him to ward off that that attack that's com- that might come from the left? Uh, you know, I'm thinking since this poll was done, the biggest thing that's been seen about Joe Biden in the news is, uh, I can't remember the exact term, so I'm definitely paraphrasing, but he said Mike Pence, the current vice president, was a decent man. Uh, and other candidates, mm-hmm. like Elizabeth Warren, have definitely jumped onto that and said, you know, no, he's not decent, he's not te- treating LGBT Americans with respect, he's been part of the Trump administration. Uh, and I think as much as the Democratic Party wants the stability of a candidate like Joe Biden, uh, I'm not sure... If someone who's, you know, playing the middle of the line, staying in the middle ground, uh, they'll go under attacks from conservatives, but I think they'll also be under attack from the left, like you said. Right. Are we going to see Joe Biden? Not under attack, but under a lot more criticism than they would be in another year. Yeah, right. Are we going to see maybe some some, uh, Biden O'Rourke action happening? I think it's possible. I've, I've seen stuff about that. It would be interesting, to say the least. Would it, I feel like that could bridge some gaps. It sounds catchy. Biden Beto. Yeah. Anybody else have any thoughts? I just am not the biggest fan of Biden after that statement. And I feel like if Beto ran with him, it'd be kind of upsetting to see. Because I think that Beto is just much better in my opinion. I don't think that, like, I just am not a fan. All right. Ready to see some new blood in the party and see new people take over? Yeah. Definitely. I don't I don't know if Beto even should put his hat in the race at all as president or vice president. As much as I do like him, I just think that he still needs some experience. And that's, you know, the common argument that most people have been saying. He is pretty young. Yeah. So. Although I mean, I'm glad pe- to see so many candidates this year. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like in the last time there weren't many voices competing, and that's why it became so big right. between Bernie and Hillary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad that there's, what is it now, 14 candidates? Because like Governor Inslee yeah. <laughs> just jumped in this weekend. I mean, the thing about it, um, what you were saying with Beto being so young and having such little experience, people are saying the same thing about Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, I can also think of it in the way of he is young enough that he would actually, like, be alive to face the consequences of what kind of stuff he'd be advocating for, like climate change, like, you know. I just, I think I'm, what I'm most interested about is come 
primary season when when people start voting on this? Are we going to see Democratic voters start to you know vote for ideology, maybe just like the most progressive candidate, or are we going to see some sort of compromise within the party on somebody who can maybe isn't the most ha- doesn't hold the most progressive values, but it is generally con- the general consensus is you know is well liked enough to beat Donald Trump because I feel like that sh- should be what the Democratic Party is trying, should try to do, first and foremost. Yeah, that was the lesson we learned, I think, from 2016, is that, like, I feel like the Democratic Party pushed away a lot of people that it was very easy to take over. You know, like, that was the argument that a lot of people were saying with, you know, Bernie could have won, because, like, Bernie was, yes, he was very left, but he also knew how to speak to, you know, the white working class, and that's, I think, going to be the goal for the Democratic Party. Can they get back their original base? Because if you look Mm -hmm. through history, and I'm pretty sure Catherine can even speak on this as well, um, originally the white working class had voted for the Democratic Party's base. Um, I think that changed in what, like 1960s, I believe, right? Um, I mean, I think you see it, they stop being as concrete a voting group as they were historically. Um, There's a lot more things people vote based on today. Right. Um, but but generally, if you look at countries that are so typically associated with that voting block, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, Wisconsin even, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of criticism of if you can't peel, you know, the that Midwestern part of the country, you might not be able to win the presidency. Right. And I think it's... it's 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 just it goes back to that that thing that I've always kept on saying is that like you have to be able to meet somewhere, um, in in this place where you're not being a little bit you you're you're sticking to your guns and your politics but you're also not alienating and pushing people out and I think that's why the Democratic Party might want to go with Joe Biden might want to go with people like Beto Haruk and less with people like Kamala Harris and less with people like Elizabeth Warren as much as I like them. Yeah, I mean, we've got a year until Super Tuesday, so definitely plenty of time to debate that. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll, we'll see a lot of that debating happening. Um, let's, let's move on. Uh, we don't have another story, but since we're not going to be around next week, let's go around, and if you got something fun that you're doing during spring break, or even if it's not fun, just, you know, what, what are you doing during spring break? Well, I'm, I'm actually going down to D.C. with a bunch of people from UMass, and we're going to be meeting with some cool groups to learn about immigration asylum-seeking rights. Cool. Uh, I think I'm going to meet AOC, so I'm super excited about that. But, yeah. Are you going to stick a post-it note on her on her? Um, oh, my God. Office? I didn't even think of that. I should. You know, they I made, don't know if I'll be in her office, but. They made, them t- they made her take it down. Really? Yeah, they were like, I don't, I don't know what their reasoning was, but they were like, I guess it was just too many post-it notes. They couldn't read, like, who, I don't know. It seems dumb. Then you just move the post-it notes, and then you can read it yeah, and be I, around it. That's silly. I mean, it only just says her name, so I don't exactly. see it. They moved the post-it notes into her office, I think. Okay. So it used to be in the hallway, and now it's in the room. At least I didn't get rid of them. Yeah. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. It's exciting. Anybody else doing anything cool? Alvin, you listening to any certain uh, songs? Jonas Brothers, who recently came back, and like I said in the group chat, we will discuss the power dynamic between Cho and Nick. So, if you hadn't been known, so if you're not like a 13-year-old girl, <laughs> then you may have not noticed the fact that over the years there's been a power shift. Bef- during the, the Jonas Brothers, during the, I don't know, I, I, I want to say 2007, when it was Joe who was always leading the group. Then it was Nick. Then it was Kevin. But nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared about Kevin. 
Was it, was it ever Kevin? No, no. I don't think so. Nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody ever cared about Kevin because he was old and he was just weird and kind of ugly. But then it was just oh, Joe no. and <laughs> <laughs> it was just Joe and Nick, and Joe was leading the group. And then suddenly something happened. They left the kind of the mainstream. Nick suddenly started rising to power. <laughs> suddenly he got married to who? What? Priya Chom- Priyanka. Priyanka. She, she, she was an actress on on one B ABC show. I'm not he, sure. He's not the one uh, married to Sansa Stark from Game of Thrones. Uh, Joe's engaged to okay. Sansa Stark. Yeah. Okay. And then who's Kevin? Who's Kevin engaged to? Well, he's married with two children. Oh, God. How does that happen? <laughs> I mean, I do get a lot of dad energy from Kevin Jonas. Oh, Kevin's is like, all right, oh. so basically, back to my point. Nick decides to creep up on the scene. He's gaining more muscle. He's gaining more attention, especially with that wedding thing. Then now, if you look at the cover of the Jonas Brothers, Sucker, the cover of the music video, Nick is in the middle henceforth symbolizing that he has now taken the throne from Joe and Kevin's still on the side because nobody still cares about Kevin. And then somebody wanted somebody in this in this little news team side to bring up the point. I was like, what about the bonus Jonas? I'm like, nobody <laughs> Frankie's worse. Frankie is substantially why I would take Kevin over Frankie. I think Frankie just didn't have the opportunity <laughs> with the other ones. To... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, what is it like a four-year-old <laughs> looking at a four-year-old? I think he's oh eighteen. Oh my god! He's yeah, he's eighteen. Oh no, eighteen! Wow, it's like that's he has, almost your age, Alvin. Okay, for I'm a twenty-one grown man. He's an eighteen-year-old child with no facial hair. What is it like? I'm looking at. I feel like I was looking at a child. So we should draft Frankie for the Jonas Brothers hegemon, then I guess. Uh, don't ruin the Jonas Brothers for me. Um, they're Disney Channel's really last hope of relevancy. That's a thing that divides us from those kids who grew up with the iPhones. Do you know what the Jonas Brothers were? Well, Ali and AJ are also coming coming <sighs> so back. Don't I don't know if you heard that, but uh, they're planning to drop stuff what is that? in March. You don't know what Ali and AJ are? I don't know what these are. They were like the same era. They're like a little less. Were they the twins? Not twins, but sisters. Oh. Blonde. Were, were they, they on Disney Channel? Yeah. They you know, had a potential TV show. breakup song. That's, oh that's God, help me, please. Oh. Well, they were they were pretty lit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a Raven was my childhood. If you, y- y'all re- y'all remember that's a Raven? Yep. Yes, and I am a big fan of the spinoff. <sighs> Just putting that no, out no, there. No, 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 no. I don't like Raven's House. You know what I really don't like? I don't like um, the show. It, it's like boy meet, boy meets world, but girl meets world. I don't like that show. Oh, see, I like it. No, I don't. It, it's here's, good. Okay, Catherine, this is where we're gonna fight. Um, and if you want to lie on this podcast, you can do that. Oh my! Wow. <laughs> you can do that, but do not slander <laughs> this good name of this news <laughs> of this news publication. Um, no, but in all seriousness, okay. The thing I didn't like about Girl Meets World was that it was trying too much to be like Boys Meets World. Right. Th- that's typically what a no, spin-offs no, 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 or no. Spin-offs a- new are adaptations no. and revivals are about. Yes. Spin-offs are supposed to exist within their own kind of sphere. And like there were starch comparisons between the people on Girl Meets World and the Boy Meets World. Like you knew who the Cory was, you knew who the Sean was, you know who the Minkus was. Like it was so it it was this like they were trying to be too similar to the original and it was like, okay, the original's great because they did that 
one thing, groundbreaking thing that lasted for years. It was great that they did it. Okay, now you do something that's different. And just because you're connected doesn't mean you can't do something that's different. And they didn't do that, and it failed. And the acting was terrible, and the plot line was just weird. It was like, didn't respond to any of my fan mail. I was just like... this is You have some hot opinions. Yeah. No, it's like... This you know, one... I, I don't have as strong opinions. I just believe that a lot of these shows are meant to be um, buildings romans, so they're coming-of-age stories. Well, yes. We can all agree that and Corey in the good. house is the greatest of... Yes, we can agree. <laughs> and we can also it's agree solid. that they're, they're, there's like a... You know, maybe the, maybe the revival didn't live up to your hopes and dreams, but if it gets some element of that show to another generation... If it ties people into those important lessons of childhood and coming of age, I think it's worthwhile. And I think that's a great note to end on. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so that looks like it's all the time we have for now. It's great having everyone tune in to our entertainment podcast. <laughs> uh, Move and aside art section. Yeah, our TV entertainment podcast. Um, so once again, I'm Mike Connors. I'm Abby Sharpentier. Irina Kostake. Alvin Bainza. Catherine Esten. Will Mouse. And you've been listening to the Collegian News Hour. So the theme music for this podcast was created by Joaquin Carud and promoted by Audio Library. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating if you enjoy if, if you enjoyed today's episode. So it really helps us out. Uh, we won't be here next week since of, since spring break, but we all have fun things to do. Um, but thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Um, yeah. Bye.